Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Get right to the romance and find the way to wow this Valentine's with 1-800-Flowers.com. From classic roses and bouquets to decadent chocolate-covered berries, gourmet treats, and more. Surprise your Valentine with 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, get the 18-stem Enchanted Rose Medley for $39.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. Mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am here on my own uh, I wasn't going to do a podcast, and then I went to the gym, and I came back, and I was walking past the office, and I was like, why not? Why not? So I'm here um, in my boss's office, all on my own, facing a wall, looking forward to talking Arsenal with you. Um, so uh, n- no Dan, no Ash, and no Matt. Um, my fault for not organizing it, but there will be guests back next week. But I just thought there's too much to chat about. Uh, today, so I've got an agenda packed full of exciting items. Um, the scores went our way this evening. Uh, an incredible week, really, an absolutely incredible week. It's, it seems like uh, maybe I put myself into a pit of doom about how bad things were at Arsenal, but it's uh, it's heading into Thursday and things are looking a lot better. So we're going to talk about that. Um, there's been a lot of movement um, and chess playing in the world of transfers, which is really exciting. Um, so I'll give you a little update of where the clubs seem to be there. Um, like there are obviously positives because I feel like we're in a situation where any warm body is a positive for Arsenal at the moment. Um, we can have a little chat amongst ourselves as to whether that is a good strategy for the future and whether we learn anything from last year's debacle. Then perhaps if we've got time, um, and we, we obviously do have time because I have absolutely nothing to do this evening. So... Um, it just depends how boring I think this is. We can maybe chat about what the future of um, Unai Emery is and like how the season's going to pan out. 
so I will be back in a moment for part two of the pod. People walking past my window, looking at me, chatting to myself with a, with a bag, with a very nice jacket that I bought earlier. Anyway, let's get into it. So we had a really, really good week. Um, the Cardiff game played out yesterday, uh, uh, an extremely drab affair, um, game played off the park um, by a team that rooted to the bottom of the table in the first half, uh, wasn't my idea of a fun game, uh, but you know, uh, Lacazette, uh, fantastic goal from Lacazette, such power, um, aggression uh, and desire to get up and, uh, and, uh, and run through all of those Cardiff players and score that goal. Obviously, uh, that started out um, with a, a, a penalty from Aubameyang. Uh, we still managed to concede. That seems to be the Emery thing. And even in recent press conferences, it seems like his, uh, his plan is to bulk out the attack and score more than we concede. A very Kevin Keegan-esque approach to the game. Um, but, but we won. Uh, I think the joy really came from what happened around the club, uh, Newcastle unbelievably beating Manchester City 2-1 yesterday. I don't think anybody saw that game coming. Uh, Rafa Benitez showing that he really is uh, like, a, like a very good manager and uh, doing Liverpool a favour. Manchester United's bubble looked like it was well and truly about to be burst, uh, but they clawed their way back from um, being two goals down uh, at Burnley. Uh, that was a home game. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer still doing um, a very good job there. And I think that we thought that that was all the bonus love that we were going to get. Uh, but then tonight, even more surprises. Uh, Bournemouth beating Chelsea 4-0. Unbelievable. 4-0. So it seems like uh, Sarri's uh, disrespectful comments in the media about his uh, Chelsea players lacking uh, or being very difficult to motivate, has come back to bite him hard. The news wires are claiming that Sarri kicked out all of his coaching staff and held his players in the dressing room for 40 minutes after the game. No excuses for a performance like that. Um, it's uh, not looking very good for, for Sarri. Uh, and he has slipped out of the top four because Arsenal scored more goals than Chelsea this season. It seems Sarri ball has not managed to take a consistent grip of, um, of the Chelsea hierarchy. Liverpool, uh, hoping to take advantage of City, uh, City slip, only managed to draw 1-1 against Leicester, who seemed to do very well against big teams. Liverpool went 1-0 up after two minutes. They didn't manage to capitalise on it, so they'll be very disappointed with that result. And we nearly... Got a result uh, with with the Spurs game. They played Watford at home, but they managed to get a late winner and win that game two one. So how does that how does that look for the the standings in the table? Well, by hook or crook, Arsenal are somehow back in the top four um, because we've scored uh, we've scored more goals than Chelsea. Like interesting, Sarri ball supposed to be this attacking, fluid, exciting football. Uh, and Chelsea have only scored 40 goals this season, whereas Arsenal have scored 50. Now, interestingly, we've scored the same amount of goals as Spurs. Um, their defence uh, a little bit better than us, and obviously their points total 
looking more solid. Uh, we're Man- Manchester United drop points. They're on uh, 45. Arsenal and Chelsea on 47. Spurs on 54. Manchester City, great statistic um, about them. I think since about the 20th of August, they've scored the same amount of points in the league as Arsenal. So things not looking good for Pep Guardiola, my favourite uh, assistant coach or coach or whatever the fuck he is, um, Arteta. So, um, like, what to make of this? I guess there's, a, there's been a lot of uh, chatter about from Arsenal fans, maybe, uh, maybe a lot of it coming from me, about the credentials of Unai Emery. And one of the things that I've been keen to, um, to press upon people is this nonsense uh, about Arsenal not having uh, a good enough squad to succeed in the top four this season uh, is a nonsense. The wheels have come off that argument because uh, we are in the top four. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, Chelsea are not looking great. Manchester United, uh, like for me, feel like maybe they're on one of those uh, early season runs that Arsenal were on. I think that the wheels could come off there. Spurs don't look great without Harry Kane. They're scraping by um, at the minute. They still feel strong. There's still um, a, a number of points uh, ahead of Arsenal. I'm not sure whether we're going to catch the top three. Um, but like top top four is uh, is there for the taking. It's between Chelsea and Manchester United. And it does feel like Chelsea are in a, in a really bad spot at the moment. It, like if the players stop playing and push Sarri out like they did with, uh, with Mourinho and Conte last season, then you just don't know where that's going to end up. Manchester United, sure, um, they've got a... They've got a good squad, but I think people massively over-egg how much better it is than Arsenal's, in my opinion. Um, like, you know, th- this is not a team that has been performing uh, over the, the last you know, five or six years since Sir Alex Ferguson has gone. When people say that you know, United are getting back to you know, the form and their rightful place, there isn't a rightful place. Like, this is not a consistent Manchester United team. Like, sure, they, um, uh, they were in the top four last season, but I don't think the difference... Is that that much different? And Arsenal have uh, a lot of cogs um, that we can implement that other teams would be hugely envious of. Uh, Lacazette, he, you know, he's got to be um, he's got to be one of the best strikers in the Premier League. He's certainly uh, the the for me. I, I think he uh, seems to be the best signing of uh, the group of uh, strikers that were bought a few um, seasons ago when uh, Morata and Lukaku came at the same time. I think I saw them. Um, Morata's gone back to Spain. Lukaku uh, hasn't really been cutting it. Um, I, I think that Lacazette has really uh, molded into a fantastic player. Uh, you know, accusations from me that he didn't really have the strength or the pace um, that, that I was looking for in a striker. Um, you know, I, I still hold that he, you know he's not the fastest, but like his ability to sniff out opportunities, his desire to do the dirty work, um, to, to really get involved in the fight. It's almost like, it feels to me, it's almost like a, a Perez-like transformation. If you remember when Perez first came to the Premier League, he didn't like getting stuck in. But after a season, um, like he really found his feet and, and started to work out what his value was to the team. And I think Lacazette has been superb. We've got uh, Obama Yang, like a lot of critique of him that he doesn't do much outside score goals. Uh, you know, I, I'd buy that argument if we were fighting... Um, for for the Premier League, but we're not. 
um, we're, we're fighting it out for top four and having somebody that can put the ball in the back of the net on a consistent basis, somebody that's got an almost telepathic skill for knowing where to stand. Like he is, he is the master of tappings. But I think it's also unfair to say that he doesn't do his share of the dog's body's work. Like he's chasing back, he's making tackles um, you know, in our penalty box sometimes. Uh, like he'll play out wide and he doesn't fuss. Um, for a player um, where there were slight questions of attitude when he came over from Dortmund, I haven't seen any of that. And I think that's the great thing about having the the beautiful bromance that's going off between Lacazette and Aubameyang. They work for each other. They want to see each other succeed. Uh, you know, and I think that that's a, a rarity in football. Just thinking to back to Andy Cole and Terry, Teddy Sheringham. Uh, really didn't like each other, but you know, at least they put their differences aside to to fight it out for the team. Like we've got two players that love playing with each other, um, and you know, I, I don't feel the the fight for the golden boot between those two is as fierce a rivalry as it would be uh, other clubs. And then uh, you got Aaron Ramsey. Uh, there were rumours that he was going to go to Juventus this week. Doesn't seem like. That is happening. Well, you know, at least from my perspective, it doesn't seem like the rumours um, are hotting up. And I would imagine that now we have a Champions League place in the offing that Emery is going to want to keep uh, Aaron Ramsey. Uh, as much as I've critiqued him um, over the last few years for not delivering consistently enough, it is notable that uh, Juventus have offered him 300000 a week. An unbelievable sum. Um, but, you know, that's a club that knows what they're doing. Um, that's a manager the, uh, that knows what he's doing, even though he's uh, had a few troubles um, this week um, with the star-studded lineup that he's got at his disposal. Uh, Meza Erzl, love him or hate him, um, and I think that there's a, the pendulum is swinging towards um, the, the more negative uh, emotion around Erzl. Like, he is a world-class player, and if we can get him firing on all cylinders then that's going to be beneficial to everybody. I'm not sure whether Emery might have taken uh, his aggressive stance on um, his uh, genteel superstar. I don't know how to um, phrase it without sounding terrible, but um, I I don't know whether too much of the stick um, might have um, pushed Meza over the edge. But it was interesting to see Mourinho on being sport, obviously talking about himself and bigging up his own managerial uh, skills, uh, he said that Meza needs a bit of the stick, but he also needs an arm around the shoulder because he's a very sensitive boy. Uh, hopefully, um, Emery can try and extract something out of him because it seems very unlikely that uh, PSG are going to uh, to come in for him, and it seems even more unlikely that Inter Milan are going to stump up the 150 grand a week of his 350 grand a week wages to bring him um, over to Italy. Uh, and then um, when you look at the, the defensive side of the game, I know that we're in pieces from an injury perspective, but you know the, it's, it's difficult to say that Emery hasn't had a good go at bringing in defensive reinforcements. Uh, you know, he, he signed Gwendozi. We all fucking love Gwendozi. What a player. Um, I can't believe that he's only 19. He's so exciting. Um, he's one of the most foul players in the Premier League. I was I'm mulling this to myself. Do you do you think do you think he's fouled a lot because he's got really nice hair? Like I can't understand. If he had a skinhead, would people treat him as badly? Um, is there something uh, is there something about that that long hair that just triggers um, you know 
Brexit style players to want to hoof him up in the air. I don't know, but you know, whatever the deal is, he uh, he has a great temperament. Uh, his range of passing is fantastic, and uh, you know, if he grows uh, the rate that he's grown so far this season, he really is going to be an asset to the team moving forward. Um, we've got uh, Torreira, who looks a bit tired at the moment, but everybody's happy with him. And then when you look at the rest of the defense, although it is a fucking shambles at the moment because of all of the injuries, most of the signings the Emery made were defensive. He signed Socrates. We all love him. Koscielny's uh, hopefully going to come back into the side soon, but uh, you know he, he certainly looks uh, more than capable of playing in a defense where he's not playing a high line. Uh, Lick Steiner um, can be solid again when he's not in a in a high line. So I think that there's a that, like Emery has enough tools at his disposal uh, to to make a go of it. And if he didn't, and the only solution to the squad problems was to spend money, um, then what was the point of this dossier? Did you know? I'm pretty sure that Emery didn't come in and say, uh, I, I, "I'm going to come in. I'm going to not play the the." the two of the best players in the side. Um, I'm going to be confused about the formation all season and I'm going to be a, a checkbook manager by January. He came in and he said, I'm happy with the players that I've got. Um, and everything was about coaching and tactics and video analysis and having you know better fitness than before. Um, we can't now, after saying that Emery was this head coach that everybody wanted, say, oh, well, you know, it's okay. He doesn't have to coach. He doesn't have to coach. And the great thing is that um, the, the, the story's played out itself. We're in the top four. Like, we wouldn't be in the top four uh, in February if we didn't have a squad capable of top four. Now, I appreciate that we are playing Manchester City at the weekend and we could very well get our asses handed to us. Uh, having a defence, having a back four that has Mustafi and Jenkinson in it uh, is not... Uh, well, um, uh, maybe um, Nacho, uh, centre-back, does not fill anybody with, uh, w- with confidence. But look, like Newcastle, Newcastle beat Manchester City. Don't tell me that like, this is a write-off and that we should be happy to come away from that game uh, you know, if we only lose 4-0, Emery has to find a way of, of nullifying Manchester City, um, in my opinion. So basically, in short, I feel that, um, you know, it's brilliant that we're in top four contention. It's fantastic that the clubs uh, around us are in precarious positions for a variety of reasons. Uh, and there's a, there's an opportunity to really make a go of it. Um, and, if if the the signings that Emery brings in bring uh, those elements the, that we're lacking, you know, a, a player who can uh, run with the ball and connect midfield and attack, and uh, you know, and hopefully maybe we can go into um, home games against shit sides without three defensive midfielders, then you know, maybe it will be a good season for Emery. And then if he makes top four, who am I to critique? Um, but we're a long way from that at the moment. Um, plenty more football to play. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Anyway, I'm 17 minutes in. 17 minutes in. What an achievement. All on my own. And you know what? I enjoy talking to myself. It's fucking great. It's therapeutic, I tell you. Um, so in part three, we're going to talk about uh, the players that Arsenal are chasing. And uh, we're going to assess whether they're good or bad and we're not we're not going to assess that i'm just going to tell you what i think and then you can uh, comment um, in the grove and tell me that i'm wrong 
So let's talk transfers. I was just thinking a little bit earlier about all of the fun that we've had with transfers over the years. I remember back in the day and Arsene Wenger would start the January transfer window and it'd be really, really positive. And then we'd get to mid-January and he'd be like, well, you know, if, if the right talent pops up and then it would get to the end of January, whoever we were uh, chasing or like shadow chasing in the background uh, would have gone to Chelsea uh, and we'd end up signing somebody like Kim Kallstrom with a broken back. But the sad thing is, even when we'd sign players with a broken back, even when you knew that they were average, there was always that little bit inside you that hoped the Wenger had done it again. Anyway, it's a different kind of um, banter around the sort of signings that we're looking at this January transfer window. I think uh, uh, Arsenal fans are in anybody-will-do mode and we're not thinking about the long term. But thankfully, it seems that Raul and Emery are because uh, you know our slogan for this window should be um, loan with a view to a permanent move, because uh, that seems to be the deal that we're pushing around Europe. So uh, the first player that w- we should talk about, because it seems the most likely, is uh, Denis Suarez. Everybody on the internet today, uh, following his, uh, his plane moves, uh, super weird um, group of fans we have. Uh, Suarez has been around the block, started at uh, Celta Vigo. I was watching Celta, Celta Vigo game that we played at Highbury back in the day, and it was a Dennis Burkamp masterclass. Um, you should uh, tune in to that. He scored, um, I think he scored a fantastic goal, and he did a really great assist for Thierry Henry. Anyway, um, take a look at that game, because um, Celta Vigo was a blast from the past. He used to be a Champions League team. Can you believe that? Uh, then he went to Manchester City. Things didn't work out there. Then he ended up at Barcelona B, uh, and things improved a little bit there. He played under Emery at uh, Sevilla um, uh, when he was um, at like, like very early 20s. And then he's had um, a stint, a loan stint uh, at Villarreal. And um, more recently, he's been sitting on the bench at Barcelona. So I did a little bit of digging into his uh, his numbers um, and you know just who he is in general. I think that, you know, firstly, important to mention that he does look a lot like Aaron Ramsey. It's uh, It's almost like the... The, the dead goldfish strategy that you use on children where the dead one uh, is scooped up and put into the, into the toilet and then you slip another one in. Um, so maybe that's um, Emery's way of helping the fans get over the loss of Aaron Ramsey. Anyway, more into the statistics. So um, his career so far spans about 165 appearances. I've just gone across the top three clubs. He scored 19 goals and landed 28 assists. Um, so that's a goal every 471 minutes and an assist every 319 minutes. So uh, the, my clumsy math basically says that he does something every three and a half games. That, <laughs> I don't know how to get excited uh, about that. I, I really don't. I don't know... Um, what we're upgrading to. Well, I do, I, I do, I do know what we're upgrading to. You know, he has a more reliable touch than Iwobi. Um, he's a little bit more direct. Like he's been playing that silky, fluid football of Barcelona. Um, I just don't know whether he really is the next level. But you know, he can run with the ball. Um, like he connects um, uh, attack and defense. Um, um, maybe maybe there's another level to his game that Emery thinks that he can unlock 
in some way. I, I think the the slightly depressing statistic, not it's not even a statistic, it's just like the thing that I read on um, one of the Spanish websites is we're paying two and a half million euros for the deal to happen, which is chump change. <laughs> the two other interesting teams in his services were Real Betis and Sevilla. So um, we're not exactly um, fighting off um, elite clubs for his services. Not to say the that matters or that's going to impact um, what he does for the club. I, I think that there is definitely an interesting approach in picking up players that haven't fulfilled their potential. There's, uh, there's nothing, there's no more, there's no more powerful motivator in life uh, than people thinking that you're not that good. Um, so maybe, uh, maybe he'll come with the fire. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> thinking that maybe he could be Santi Cazorla-ish, uh, like bringing that elite technique to the team. Um, and, and maybe maybe he's just a big comfort for Emery. Like he's, um, according to uh, rumours that I've heard, uh, Emery is stacking out his backroom team with more Spanish folk. Um, and then it's, a bit, it's a bit of a Spanish mafia move going on at Arsenal at the minute. Um, so bringing in players that he knows, um, people that will you know come to his defence in the dressing room, uh, you know maybe that's a thing. I did want to draw, draw you to a very depressing Twitter th- thread that, um, that popped up into my feed. Um, a guy called David Cartledge, who's an editor at ESPN um, and a Spanish football journalist at Talk Sport said uh, said this some thoughts on Dennis Suarez to Arsenal first of all a loan without the obligatory purchase option isn't a bad deal by any means as he's only really produced one good half a season in his career to date <laughs> it's fucking hell uh, his time with Sevilla is being overplayed he was a bit part player that played in various roles and Unai Emery could never really find his best position an average loan that lacked any consistency Dennis has spoken well of Unai um, obviously at Villarreal with Marcelino, then Dennis had his best performances to date. While he was very good, it was only for half a season. He was their best player during that period. He was on the right side of a 4-4-2 as an interior. Dennis pressed from the front, drifted inside, went on and off the ball in an attacking transition, helped bring the team up the field very quickly. Marcelino understood him, his ability, perfectly. Barcelona for Dennis has been underwhelming. It's odd because he worked very hard to get that move back on the radar. For every good game he had, there was little in the way of consistency or ability to impose himself enough that convinced people he would make it. And then the final one, which is a real kicker, Dave. Real kicker. On that note, his lack of personality and confidence on the field has held him back, plays safe, doesn't take risk or look to influence games. He's simply not that player. He won't demand the ball or offer authority. Oh, my God. Oh dear, dear. So uh, again, like uh, Sven Sven Mislintat is gone. Um, Unai Emery is the most knowledgeable when it comes to signing players. He knows him. This signing is on him. If it works out, brilliant. Uh, if it doesn't, then questions have to be raised. But we are in the top four, and I'm not going to let that uh, that issue um, get me down. And we have the curious tale of Yannick Carrasco, a player who was. You know, operating under a fantastic manager in Simeone. Um, I, I don't think he ever really imposed himself on the first team. And then he took a move to uh, Dalian Yimfang, 
in China. I mean, just such an odd move at 24 to want to go and live in China. Like you're in the absolute prime of your career. Like how important is money? How good can that experience possibly be? Or obviously not that good because he's trying to uh, move um, move away. But it, David Ornstein seems to think that th- that move is unlikely although we are apparently still working on a deal for German midfielder Christopher Nkuku. Um, so that could be interesting. I don't know much about the player. He looks like a, he looks like a, a, a slightly more experienced version of Maitland-Niles. He's powerful. Um, he can cover a lot of ground uh, pace. He can play right back. Um, he looks technically very solid. He's obviously not going to get a chance at PSG under Thomas Tuchel. Um, so uh, I, I would welcome a move like that. And again, um, another player that Unai Emery will have intimate knowledge of. Uh, he's trying to build a, a network of players that you know respect him and and love him. Like who wouldn't want to do that? So maybe that could um, maybe that could work well for us. Um, and then outside of that, it doesn't seem like there's there's very much um, else on the cards unless somebody comes in with uh, with a, a really enticing offer uh, last minute. But it would be great to get two players. I, I think that uh, Suarez is slightly underwhelming and Cuckoo seems a little bit more exciting. I would be unhappy um, with... The, the idea of us signing Perisic on a, you know, he's 30 this weekend. He's on the decline. I, I don't know why we would want to pick up um, a player. who's not doing very well, his club um, at the moment. And also like the, you know, the idea of signing experienced players in January didn't exactly work out well last year. And I know everybody points to Obama Yang being this huge success, but like, where did we finish? Um, what did we win? Uh, we won nothing. We didn't get. We didn't make it past the semi-finals of the Europa League, um, so there was no chance of backdoor Champions League, and we finished sixth in the league. So, uh, and we invested in Mikatarin, who's a hundred and seventy thousand pound a week dead weight on our wage bill. Obama Yang, great player, love him, but that's a huge amount of money to be playing for a striker on a weekly basis. Um, again, when you're not in the Champions League. And I just don't understand um, why we would want to even consider Perisic in the summer. There was talk of us putting in a clause that if we didn't sign him, we would get a, you didn't sign him, fine. Uh, Which is obviously better than being obliged to to buy a a, a player on on the decline who's not going to help the club. I think my, my, my bigger issue is the just lack of, vision for what we're trying to do as a club i read an article about dortmund and how they um like re-engineered the way that the club operated it was um rafa honigstein wrote it it was a really interesting article but basically they 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 shifted um the median age of the players at the club from i don't know what it was like 28 to 23 um and then they knew that they couldn't compete with big clubs for big names there was no point in trying to um, like seek value with like middling players um, because then you get lumbered with them. So they fought in a market where they could win, and now they're you know they're not winning, and it's still a, a major major undertaking to overturn a, a team with the finances of Bayern Munich. But 
at least they're playing exciting football and at least every young player in Europe wants to go there first because they're an amazing stepping stone. And I don't see why Arsenal couldn't take a little bit of that, um, like plus it up um, with, uh, you know, like bigger bets on younger players and then just play this explosive, exciting football. Like we're kind of caught in this desperation to make short-term decisions and it just bites us on the arse at a later day. Like the reason that we can't sign players this January is because like we took a short-term risk on the Champions League last year and failed. And if we continue to take that approach with substandard players, we're, we're going to just end up with this horrible, ugly squad of players that like have something wrong with them, you know, like, like broken players with personality deficiencies or ego problems or injury issues. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't really know where the, the club is going. Um, I don't know um, who we're going to bring in as uh, as a technical director. I still think that the most important signing Arsenal could make would be um, like a, a CEO um, to to lead the club to stop um, Emery and Raul hiring in their friends to bring a bit of accountability um, to people and to to make sure that both sides of the club, commercial um, and football, are uh, in sync. Like, you know, people talk about the shit football and how it doesn't matter. But if you're trying to sell a, a global brand and you're trying to bring sponsors in, playing the dreary football that we played at Cardiff the other night is not the way forward. I think, uh, I know that I'm going off piece a little bit here, but like em- empty seats um, on a Friday night game against Manchester United, like the, the attendance for the Cardiff game was fucking embarrassing. Like, we're not, we're not 15th in the league. Uh, you know, I don't want to critique fans that pay all that money to go week in, week out, but it's a, it's it's really embarrassing. It's really embarrassing. So, you know, I would have wanted a coach that could come in and um, and play a, a more exciting brand of football. And I feel like we've got all of these like young, exciting players with the ability to find another level. And I just wonder whether we've got a coach who can help bring them up a level. Um, and I guess that that leads me on to the the next topic, which is it was it was exciting to see um, Smith Rowe go out to Leipzig. That is a fantastic move for him and um, a, a real um, a real big thumbs up that um, a manager like Ranić sees um, a, a talent there that he wants to bake into his side. Like he's going he's gonna to learn under one of the legends of the game there. And then even better to see Nketiah go to Augsburg or however you say it to um, you know the club where Jens Lehmann has gone as assistant coach, so he's going to be looked after there. And like, wouldn't it be fantastic to see Eddie get ten goals from now until the end of the season? I mean, you know, forget the level of, of his team, but you know, even if he gets five goals, that experience of going to live in another country, like it, it, it changes you. Like it helps you grow. Like there is uh, nothing scarier than going into a different environment and having to adapt to a new culture. Like it teaches you things about yourself. Um, and, you know, those are things that you can't learn sitting on the bench at Arsenal. So I'm really excited um, to see how our lone players um, continue to progress. Reese Nelson seems to have fallen off um, a little bit late, uh, a little bit lately. Um, but, you know, that's part of the process. Like you come in, you, have, you play great for 10 games and then it goes to shit. And then you've got to work out, um, you know, what tools from like your personality arsenal um, do you lean on to pull yourself out of that rut? Like how can you fall back on technique? Like how can you um, better yourself? And that's the, that's the point of these loan moves that they're not, learning that on Arsenal's dime. So um, Ben Napper, the loans coach, 
fantastic job. That's really exciting to see that, you know, we've got talent. The German clubs um, want to hoover up. Let's just hope that um, Leipzig and uh, teams like Hoffenheim don't end up buying these players and then selling them back to England for 70 million in three seasons' time. Right. I think that I've covered um, a lot of topics there. I'm sorry that I had to do that alone, but I just felt like we needed to get some content out into the open. Um, before I go, uh, I just wanted to say a massive thanks to all of the people that comment um, on the Grove on a, on a daily basis. Benny DeVito, Guns of San Francisco, Charlie George, Gambon, uh, Champagne Charlie, Leeds Gunner, Unanaf, all these fucking weird names that you've got. Uh, like, I love your comments, Mark, Marco, receding hairline, Dale. Like, there's so many of you. And, um, like, we disagree, but it's great to be able to have um, people that are on the website 24 hours a day just shooting the shit about Arsenal. It's, um, it's a real pleasure, and I just want to say uh, thank you. I love all of your comments, even the ones um, that call me bad names. So on that note, I'm going to say goodbye. Um, leave a five-star review on iTunes. Stop, stop leaving mean messages in the reviews it's it's not it's not fair it's not funny and it hurts my feelings um and we will be back next monday uh, i will have a full um a full panel of people um for you to to chat to and hopefully it's going to be a good result on sunday there is no reason why we can't deliver some sort of hammer blow to artessa and there's no reason um that we can't um be challenging for top four this season don't listen to the naysayers Right, on that note, I will see you later and have a good one. Goodbye. Peacock is streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals, and every live WWE pay-per-view. It's The Office, Chrisley Knows Best, and Peacock original shows like Funky Brewster. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.